Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Hello, I'm Lee James, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to George Addo Jr. on The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM with George Addo Jr. Full-time whistle. Jose Mourinho's defensive masterclass wins again. Roma hadn't been to a European final for 31 years until 12 months ago. They've got two in a row now. And they're toying with them. Bernardo Silva yeah. You don't save that one! Elation for Guardiola! Explosion from the supporters! Wonderful finish from Bernardo Silva! They've done it. They will go to Istanbul and they could well make history there. Looking for the goal that might kill it once and for all. Martinez does it, delivers it. And surely on their way now to the Champions League final. It's the final stretch for most domestic leagues across Europe. And even where titles have been won, relegation fears and battles for European places do exist. Spain and Italy have champions declared all right. Bayern, Munich and Borussia Dortmund are in a big fight for the Bundesliga title. Paris Saint-Germain are almost there in France. And the latest Champions League finalists and favourites could wrap up the title in England this weekend. Is it going to be Mahrez? No, it's Gundogan! Two goals and an assist. 300 games. And there's always something to treasure. Another ruthless professional display. They question if this might be the one that caused them the problem in between the Real Madrid games. Not so. Manchester City could begin the foundation for winning the treble if they can beat Chelsea at Etihad. We'll keep tabs across that game and focus on the top four fight as well as a relegation battle. Knowing very well, Liverpool are looking to grab a European spot at the last hour. 
will be in Italy, Spain, France and Germany, however, for full previews to the weekend. We'll be in the United States for NBA updates and in Italy to monitor what's left of the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix that was called up by Formula One. Time to talk about what the world is talking about in the world of sports. Hello from me, George Adler Jr. and welcome to The Locker Room. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. Thanks for staying with us on The Locker Room as always. It's a pleasure to come your way with a very pacey preview to the weekend. Remember that you can always get in touch via WhatsApp line or indeed across our social media handles. And we're so excited to get to read your messages as we look forward to what's supposed to be another bright sporting weekend. So let's begin this evening and we'll start with Formula One. It's lights out, away we go. And unlike yesterday, Verstappen gets away well this time, as does Sergio Perez. Leclerc, little champion, he's coped with the rain here this weekend. Max Verstappen comes to the line, wins the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix by some distance. And it's a distance from his teammate, Sergio Perez, as Red Bull come to Ferrari's backyard and make it a 1 2. And yes, we should have been talking to Max to come. But the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix has been called off this weekend because of major flooding in the region. Discussions on Wednesday between local authorities and organizers of the race at Imola in Italy concluded that the event could not proceed safely. At least eight people have died and 5,000 more have been evacuated following widespread flooding across the Emilia-Romagna region. Formula One said calling off the race was the right and responsible thing to do. F1 will look at the options for reshuttling the race, but it's considered unlikely to make a return because of the crowded schedule. So let's bring in the F1 writer and broadcaster, Inga Strucker. Inga, thank you very much for your time on the locker room. This was so unusual for Formula 1 to call up this race, but it seems they had no option in this case. It is very unusual, but I have to say, the track was evacuated. All Formula One personnel and media had to leave. Um, we, I got an email um, at about um, just before midnight saying, don't come to the track on Wednesday. We will let you know once the track is reopened. There's a little bridge over the, the, um, the river that is just right next to the racetrack. Santerno, the name of the river is. And that bridge was almost flooded already. So the signs were there. And there was the Minister of Transport and the um, Vice Prime Minister of Italy, Matteo Salvini. He said, we really should reschedule the Imola Grand Prix and take care of more important things. Inga, really sad and no doubt emergency measures are still being taken to make sure everyone in the region is safe. I know the Ferrari team is based there. Uh, What have they had to say? Ferrari just sent me a note saying, um, team boss Fred Rasser said, on behalf of everyone working at Scuderia Ferrari, I would like to express our deepest sympathy to everyone affected by this terrible tragedy. Emilia-Romagna is our homeland and it's heartbreaking to see what people are going through at the moment. This speaks for almost every team. I mean, I could give you similar statements, you know, from Mercedes, from Haas, from the FIA president, from uh, Stefano Domenicali. And I think Stefano Domenicali, the Formula One boss, he is in the most direct situation because he grew up in Imola. He is from that region. And he said it's really a tragedy. The Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix, if it had gone on this weekend, would have been the Sith Grand Prix of the year. How likely is it that it could be rescheduled for later in the year? 
I actually don't see that very unlikely. I mean, there. Look, we have a twenty-three race record calendar this year, so it's going to be tough. But there are gaps, and if the teams are willing to move and you know make some concessions. I don't know when this could happen, but there could be a slight reshuffle. Maybe other Grand Prix have moved together. But Monza, for example, Milan, is, I think, a couple of hours drive from Imola. Maybe, let's say, for the transporters of the Formula One teams, three hours. Maybe we could have Monza and Imola in September. I don't know if that's possible because then the teams have to go to Singapore and then there's Japan right after. So, yes, it would be challenging. But I think... They are already. I, I could imagine that Formula One was already looking at options to reschedule. Inga Strucker, the F1 writer, and joined us with some analysis ahead. NBA next, and the Eastern and Western Conference Finals are underway, with so much to come this weekend. Let's get a bit of perspective then, and I'm joined by our NBA expert Kofi Ousu. Kofi, thanks for your time. The Miami Heat came up with another surprising result: a one-two-three to one-hundred-sixteen victory over the Boston Celtics in Boston. Are you surprised by Miami's run this postseason? And what are the key points to look at in this Eastern Conference Finals matchup? That's a very good question. Am I surprised that the Miami Heat have made it this far in the postseason? Well, I would answer yes and no. Yes, because they're the eighth seed. They made it to the playoffs through the play-in. In fact, they lost the first playing game to the Atlanta Hawks before qualifying in the subsequent matchup. They have had two major injuries in this postseason to Victor Oladipo and Tyler Hero. They have not had home court advantage in any of the games so far, or the series so far, I should say. But yet here they are in the Eastern Conference Finals and even a game up on the much more favored Boston Celtics. I guess I shouldn't be surprised because they were in this same position last season. They made it to the NBA Finals in the year 2020. They have a great coach in Eric Spostra, a great GM in Pat Riley. And of course, the great Jimmy Butler seems to turn into Michael Jordan when the playoffs come around. And he's done again this season with amazing performances in each of the series so far. I think this particular series is going to come down to coaching and also the matchup between the two star players. That's Jason Tatum and Jimmy Butler. With the coaching, the Celtics have a rookie coach in Joe Mazzola. This is his first season as head coach of the Boston Celtics. And so far, he has not been able to show he has the tactical know-how to make the right adjustments in big playoff games. He's been riding on the coattails of Jason Tatum's great performances and the, the great depth the Celtics have. But I can't say he's done a very good coaching job and he's going up against one of the best coaches in the NBA. That's Eric Spoelstra of the Miami Heat. He has shown his awareness tactically. He, he, he comes with the right adjustments at the right time. So it's... Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este... Comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. It's going to be a very big test for Joe Mazzola if he's going to be able to use his superior team to try and beat a superior coach. And in terms of the star players, Jason Tatum and Jimmy Butler, like I mentioned, Butler always 
comes up to play in the playoffs. He, he he puts in his best efforts and he seems to morph into a top five player when the playoffs come around. Jason Tatum is on and off. Sometimes, like we saw in Game Seven against Philadelphia, he might have an amazing performance. Other times, he seems to disappear. So the star player who shows up more consistently is going to be the player who leads his team to the NBA Finals. Right, Kofi, I can imagine it's been a few busy weeks and nights for you, obviously. But let's talk about Jokic of the Denver Nuggets. And he's been playing some incredible basketball these playoffs. Would you consider him to be the best player in the NBA? Jokic has proven beyond a reasonable doubt that he's certainly one of the best players in the NBA. Over the last couple of seasons, he's managed to win two MVPs, finish second in MVP voting this season. He's a triple-double machine and has led the Denver Nuggets to very, very good seasons. However, in this postseason stretch, I believe he's taken his game to another level and has managed to make himself the clear-cut front runner for best player in the NBA. That is no small statement to make. The NBA is full of amazing talents, the likes of Giannis, Joel Embiid, Steph Curry, LeBron James, Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic. So to be the best out of all these greats is no small task. But I believe Jokic has has been up to the task this season. He's the most influential player in the NBA without a question. He influences the game through his passing ability, his rebounding and his scoring. He's led the Denver Nuggets to the top seed in the West. And in these playoffs, he's been putting up historical numbers. In the first game against the Lakers, he had about 34 points, 21 rebounds and 14 assists in a single game. These are like video game numbers that you see when you play NBA 2K. And he's been consistently putting up these numbers. And right now, with a good chance to make the NBA Finals, I believe that he has the opportunity to cement himself as the best player in the NBA today. Out West, we have the Denver Nuggets facing up with the LA Lakers and it's a rematch of the 2020 Conference Finals. We had a game only last night. What did you make of that and what should we be looking out for in this matchup? The Denver Nuggets have managed to take a 2-0 series lead over the Los Angeles Lakers. The stellar play of Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray has proved to be the difference. The Denver Nuggets are undefeated in home games throughout the entire playoffs. I believe that's nine wins and zero losses. So they have done a very great job in defending home courts. The series is not over though. The Lakers now go and play two home games. That's game three and game four back at the Crypto Arena in Los Angeles, where they are also undefeated. So there's a saying that goes, the series doesn't start until a road team wins a game. So as long as you defend your home courts, the series will continue to go on and probably go to six or seven games. I expect it to be a long, drawn-out series. I expect the Lakers to bounce back in game three and possibly game four. Um, The key to the series, I believe, for the Lakers is going to be their defensive play on Jamal Murray and Jokic and also Anthony Davis. Although they lost the first game, Anthony Davis had a huge offensive output, scoring 40 points. In game two, he came down to only 18 points. One of the difficulties of Anthony Davis's play has been his inconsistencies. He has one great game, then one bad game. One great game, one bad game. But the Lakers are going to need Anthony Davis to be consistent in this series to match up the play of Jokic. And LeBron James is going to have to find a way to be more efficient from his three-point shooting. He has shot quite poorly by his own standards in these playoffs. In game two, um, he missed many key shots, had a couple of turnovers that cost them. So LeBron James is going to have to play much better in LA if they're going to have a chance to close this series out or at least bring it back to a competitive series and possibly go back to Denver in game five, tied up 2-2. I think it's going to be a tough series and I expect it to go the full length. 
In an off-the-court matter, Jan Morash, star point guard for the Memphis Grizzlies, was seen in an Instagram video flashing again for the second time in just a few months. He was suspended by the league for eight games for his first offence. How do you see the situation playing out? Jamarant has been one of the most explosive and exciting point guards in the NBA over the last couple of seasons. He's been an all-star and is one of the most popular players in the NBA. Unfortunately, he has found himself in a very negative predicament. For the second time in about two months, he has been caught flashing a gun on IG Live, albeit in a playful manner, but of course still dangerous and against league ethics. He was suspended for eight games for his first incident, so we expect the league to come down with a sterner punishment in the upcoming season. Apart from these two gun-flashing incidents, there have been rumors of him having altercations behind the scenes. In one incident, he pulled a gun on a 17-year-old boy. On another incident, somebody in his entourage pointed a laser beam, which some believe had a gun attached to it, to an NBA team bus. So all these stories are not helping Jamarat in the, in the least bits. And we expect him to um, have a lengthy suspension in the upcoming season. And apart from that, he has to face the unpleasant reality of losing endorsements, losing millions of dollars he could have made if he had kept a clean, a clean, a clean sheet. So this is a very negative situation that he's in right now. We hope that he learns from what he's doing and hopefully he's quite young. He has time to change and clean up his image. Kofi Owusu is our NBA expert and joined us with some analysis. Thank you very much, Kofi, for your time. Football next. Zane laying it back and there it is. And it had to be Thomas Müller back on the side. Back on the score sheet. Here is Joshua Kimmich consummately converted. Is he going to do it? Six for Bayern. Rearson one-on-one with Baku. Lifting the ball in. Adeyemi attacks. Oh, what a header. Right-hand side coming down the left here again with Adeyemi. Alez in the middle. Is 2-0. Strong they are in home. Saw two games as Bellingham makes it six. Bundesliga and with Borussia Dortmund only one point behind Bayern Munich with two games left to play. RB Leipzig are the last team the Bavarians want to face. The long ball base side have not been having a great season this year, but they'll be looking for a win to secure Champions League qualification for next season. So, what should we expect? And this is a game that really could decide the title race. So, let's get some perspective. And Chris Harrington from DW, our partner station in Berlin, joins me. Thanks, Chris, for your time on the show. Dortmund's Karim Ademi says all hope isn't lost when it comes to Dortmund winning the title over Bayern Munich. What have you made of this? You know, it, my immediate thoughts are he might be a bit over-optimistic, you know, because he has to wait and see what happens with Bayern Munich. The title is theirs to lose. Only two matches left. But I think the interview was very telling. You know, for one, uh, Adeyemi referred to six months back where Dortmund were in the standings, and then they fought their way out of, you know, the middle of the table back to give themselves a fighting chance at dethroning Bayern Munich. You know, uh, Kareem Adeyemi has been magnificent for Dortmund. I, you know, I do believe he is uh, among the young talent there. He thrives. And uh, he just also touched on his roots. You know, he does have Nigerian roots. He talks about how his father, you know, got him to playing football. And as soon as people understood that he had a knack or a bit of talent, he pushed harder. And obviously, Dortmund is the perfect place to be for a young and upcoming talent such as Adeyemi. We can't forget Adeyemi also represents Germany as well, and I do think he will be a threat on the international pitch in years to come. But in terms of winning the title, I mean, come on. 
You know, uh, all of the reality is we have to wait and see what happens with Bayern Munich and RB Leipzig. That's their only shot, their only hope, you know, to really walk away successfully. We've seen Dortmund in this position before. We've actually seen Dortmund in better positions before, only to allow the title to slip through their fingers. And right now they're playing catch-up. And uh, I think it'll be very telling what happens when RB Leipzig and Bayern meet next match day, as well as Augsburg and Dortmund. Chris, only two matches remain this season. Which fixtures could affect the standings? Yeah, well, I touched on Bayern hosting RB Leipzig, you know, in terms of the title chase. What's interesting about this particular fixture, the last time these sides met, it was a draw. And with a draw, Dortmund have hope. Obviously, they're going to have to take care of business. We've seen Dortmund look really good in the last couple of matches, very electric, putting up a lot of goals. And uh, obviously, the title chase is very, very important. And uh, at the bottom of the table, you know, head to Berlin. You know, I've touched on this before. Head to Berlin could very well be ejected out of the Bundesliga. And that's not their only problem. They also have a legal hiccup when it comes to the specific rule of the 50 plus 1% rule. It has to do with ownership of a club to make sure there isn't a majority of ownership. Head to Berlin, I think, have an infraction in that regard. And they could, even if they are relegated, they could be sent all the way down to the fourth division. So nothing looks good for Union Berlin. The reality is, uh, excuse me, head to Berlin. The reality is they're going to have to win out their season. I mean, they host Bochum and that's going to be a really important match. Bochum is six points off of head to Berlin. They only have 25 points. I mean, they're going to have to win and win fast if they have any shot, but I think their story's not over. As I mentioned, they have a little bit of legal fog to navigate themselves through, but uh, very well next year this time we can only have one team standing high in uh, bright in the Bundesliga and that will be Union instead of Hertha. Before we let you go, Chris, what else has hit your radar? Yeah, Thomas Müller. Thomas Müller has been rumored to be on the chopping block, so to speak. Maybe things haven't really gelled well under him and the new leadership at Bayern Munich, Thomas Tuchel. And uh, it was really interesting, the back and forth. I mentioned this before, Thomas Tuchel not really given a good explanation on why Thomas Müller was not in the starting 11. Well, he was in the starting 11 this past match day, and it proved very productive. He opened up the scoring, which ended up being a landslide victory. Well, Thomas Müller, after that match, he did talk about, you know, his future and what a one German publication specifically said about his future. The build is what it's referred to. He just basically said he's not fond of having things written to suggest they know his opinions and thoughts. It's all make-believe. That's what Thomas Müller had to say. And also he ended with his heart remains red. I mean, he, he's Bayern true and true. It would be, you know, just a, a knock on their legacy, you know, having Thomas Müller be part of the club for so long to see him depart in, uh, you know, some unfortunate uh, sever of the relationship would be sad, I think, collectively when you look at Bayern Munich. But it's good to see that he's back in the good graces of Thomas Tuchel, back in the starting 11. Only one title for Bayern left win and defend, and that's the Bundesliga. A lot will happen on match day 34. I'll be right here to give you the updates and let you know how things look moving forward. Thank, thanks for the Bundesliga update. Chris Harrington is from our partner station, DW, and Berlin in Germany, and joined us with some analysis there. La Liga next. Barcelona. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. 
And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? La emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA USLRC. The La Liga Champions for the 27th time. Whistles all around the RCD Stadium. Um, but um, the melee of yellow-shirted players out in the centre of the pitch. They've done it, they've done it in the ground of their rivals, their neighbours, the Espanyol players, heads down. They've got four games to save themselves, but Barcelona are the champions. Lewandowski scored on 11 minutes, Baldi on 20. Lewandowski again five minutes before half-time. Kunde made it four on 53 minutes. Poado and Joselu with the consolation goals, but uh, Espanyol disappointing tonight. And uh, Barcelona worthy champions. Barcelona sealed their first La Liga title since the 2018-2019 season with four games to spare after a stylish win at the home of city rivals Espanyol. Barcelona have 85 points, 14 more than their nearest rivals Real Madrid with 12 points left to play for. It is their first La Liga title since uh, club legend Lionel Messi left in August 2021 and the first since Xavi was appointed manager in November 2021. But there's certainly more to fight for in La Liga and we're now joined by our La Liga expert David Withwood who also reports for Real Betis. Thanks Dave for your time and we must begin with the dismantling of Real Madrid in the UEFA Champions League by Manchester City. That was a difficult watch I guess. It was Manchester City overpowering and steamrolling Real Madrid by four goals to nil. It was a, a masterful performance from Manchester City, a classy performance from the Sky Blues and a performance for the ages, a performance that will be remembered for many a year. The City team are on a roll at the moment, 23 games unbeaten, and this arguably was their best game of the lot and best game of the season. City were outstanding from start to finish, especially the first half. They're, they're pressing, they're organising, their patterns of play, the movement, the skill, the sheer quality, the confidence that they oozed, especially in the first 45 minutes, was one of the best displays, I think, that a Manchester City team have ever put together. And that says a lot because the, the team, the club, have had some magical moments in the last 10 years, but this performance was right up there. Every player was shining. The likes of Jack Grealish, who's had a lot of uh, frustrations and stick from the press and from fans about his 100 million price tag. It's a lot of money, but we now see what he brings to the team. His uh, devilment, his trickery, his skill, the way he draws players in with fouls, the way he opens up space for everybody else. Uh, a fantastic performance by him, fantastic performance by Bernardo Silva, some great goals. Uh, he plays with a constant pivot, always looking for space, always looking for the next man, always on the run, always on the move, and quite mesmerising from, uh, from, from, the, from the team in general. 
uh, especially Kevin De Bruyne, another masterful performance from him as well. I think the bat line have to get some credit as well because Real Madrid had a spell in the second half of 20 minutes, but they stood firm. The likes of John Stones playing out of position in midfield looks so, so comfortable in this new role as a defensive midfielder, parole, patrolling the defence of the midfield. Rodri is another one, probably the the most informed player in his position in world football right now. Uh, the, the amount of work that he gets through in midfield, organising the midfield, seeing where there's a pass, helping out in defence where he needs to, constantly on the move. All the players are constantly on the move, constantly pressing. And even for Real Madrid, who have loved this competition for so long, had a, 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 an affinity with the competition like no other team, just had no answers. And you could see from the players, their reactions, their mannerisms, the mannerisms from the manager as well, Carlo Ancelotti, with about half an hour to go, staring into space thinking, what do I do? Here's a, a, a person that's been in the Champions League final for many times, won the competition many times, and had arguably no clue about what to do. Um, and that's credit to Manchester City. They had a game plan, they stuck to it, a high press, an intelligence, taking the chances when they came, and they had more chances as well. This could have been easily six or seven uh, zero. Ironically, one of the best players on the pitch was Thibaut Courtois. He made some outstanding saves in the match, and it's incredible to think that he probably had one of his best games of the season, and he lost 4-0. Uh, frightening to, 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 to think, really. Um, but it was an incredible performance from Manchester City, a city that are coming of age. It was a performance of the ages and well and truly dismantled what has been a top-class Real Madrid team for, for many a year. You could see in, in midfield especially, the legs uh, couldn't keep up with, with City and you can understand why they're looking at Jude Bellingham to, to bring in some youth and some youthful intelligence into that midfield for next season. But Overall, it was Manchester City's night. They beat what has been a, a terrific uh, Champions League club that will come again, but it could be City's time. They'll play Inter Milan in the final in Turkey on June the 10th. Should be a really great final. Inter Milan getting through against AC Milan in the derby, uh, so they can't be overlooked. Uh, but City will be heavy favourites going into this match and going for what would be a first treble in English football since Manchester United in 1999. And there's no reason why City can't win all three trophies. David, Barcelona grabbed their first title since Messi left the club. How big a night was it against Espanyol? Probably the, the most important game of the week was Espanyol versus Barcelona. Two teams in very different predictions, uh, predicaments. Espanyol trying to stave off relegation. Barcelona going for the title. And it was Barcelona who won uh, for the first time in four years. The La Liga crown, they won it at their... Uh, rivals of, of Espanyol by two goals to four and Barcelona celebrating their victory uh, with the parade the next day which is something that they haven't done in recent years which goes to show that uh, they realise and they they uh, they appreciate uh, that this is important to do this because I think towards the end of when Messi was with Barcelona they kind of took it for granted that they were winning and they didn't do uh, many a huge surprise on the weekend day with VRL putting six behind. Somewhat a consistent athletic club. What went wrong there? Another game with six goals was at the Estadio de Ceramica in Villarreal. Villarreal, a swashbuckling performance from the Yellow Submarine, winning very, very comfortably 
and impressively against Athletic Club Bilbao 5-1. Very much a one-sided game from start to finish. Athletic Club had no answers for the attacking prowess of Villarreal and it keeps them in the hunt for certainly a Europa League place. I think they've more or less um, uh, got that place sorted for next season. And they've got an outside chance of finishing the, in the Champions League. It's looking like it's going to be Real Sociedad who's going to finish fourth. But you never know at the end of the season if, if, if a team can put on a, a real run and win all the matches, put pressure on the team above. It could be possible, but still, it's been a great season for, for Kike Setien and Villarreal, who will be playing European football once again next season. Dave, Real Sociedad will play in the Europa Conference League for the first time. Does that pretty epitomise their performances all year? Well, speaking of Real Sociedad, they had a, an entertaining match with Girona in San Sebastián in the Anahueta. It was a 2-2 draw at the end. A creditable performance from Girona coming back football overall, and they've hit form at the right time. The likes of Stuani, who is a vastly experienced veteran, a Uruguayan international, knows La Liga like the back of his hand. He's been vitally important for the team and it could well be that they're playing European football next season. As for Real Sociedad, it's another point on the board. They should do enough to get the Champions League spot. They've been a really, really great team to watch this season, and I think they are thoroughly deserving of finishing in that fourth spot. Dave Valencia are now three points ahead of the relegation threat. It's uh, demotivated Real Madrid next. Can they find important points here? A big, big win for Valencia at Celta de Vigo in Balaidos by two goals to one. Valencia showing a lot of fight in recent matches. They've won three out of the last five games to really get themselves out of trouble. They're still not out of the woods yet, though. They're only three points above the relegation zone, but they're showing a lot of fight, a lot of steel that there clearly wasn't only a month ago. It's a big, big win for the Valencian club. Got a big match against Real Madrid at the weekend, but a Real Madrid team that are playing for nothing now and they'll be heavily hurt after that dismantling of Manchester City so it could be a good time to play Real Madrid I think three more points for Valencia might just be enough to keep them up and what was looking a really precarious situation a month ago has suddenly changed because they're, they've hit form at the right time they're getting the points on the board and yeah saving their season because it would be an absolute disaster for them to play in the Segunda Division next season especially the fact that their rivals Levante have always been in the shade of of Balen Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera pero este comenzará en tu mente ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Yeah, have a realistic chance to come back to La Liga, and it would be, uh, yeah, very, very sad for them to be relegated and see their rivals, their inferior rivals, according to them, back in La Liga next season. But at the moment, Valencia have hit form at the right time, and potentially staying in La Liga for next season. Thank you very much, Dave. Dave Whitworth is our La Liga expert and joined us with some analysis as we look forward to what should be a great one. Serie A next, and yes, Napoli are champions, but relegation battles, top four tassels, and club's performances in Europe are all huge discussion points. Joining us as always is our Serie A expert, Sicho Estrim. 
Sejo, let's begin with Internacional's huge feat of making it into the UEFA Champions League final. And for the first time since 2010, does that describe the season they've had? Yeah, Joe, it's absolutely the place to begin with. Internacional in Milano, you know, qualifying of getting into the Champions League final. It's, it's huge, it really is. You know, when you look at how their season has unfolded, they, 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 they've they not been brilliant in the league, considering the squad quality that they've got here, thinking they should, be, they should have competed at least with Napoli. But performance in Serie A wasn't the greatest. But here they are, into the end of the season, they're in two cup finals, then the Coppa Italia final, then the Champions League final. Spectacular stuff. I must also be quick to say that they, that they are running run into the Champions League final. They, they, some of the draws they had on the, on the way to the final after the group stage was quite kind. But of course, you can't blame them for it. You've got to be the opponents that are presented to you. So massive credit to Simon Inzaghi and the rest of the, of the lads. And one thing is also huge, really significant for Inter Milan, Reaching the Champions League final in itself, whether they win it or not, it's huge financial gains for them. Because financially, Inter Milan are struggling. And now that they've reached this Champions League final, they can be able to extend some of the contracts of some key players. They've got about six, seven players who are going into the last years of their contract. Akanta, Anogli, um, Alessandro Bastoni, you know, several other players who, Henrik Mkhitaryan, all of them, Edin Dzeko, all of them going into the last years of their contracts. And you're wondering if they were going to have enough to hold on to them. And, and qualifying to the Champions League final maybe give them the financial muscles to be able to hold on to some of these players. Or perhaps even go back to Chelsea and request for Lukaku for one more year on loan. You know, So yeah, I think it's, it's a big deal for them. I mean, I'm sure those those are the administrative levels of the club are, are excited financially and of course, potting-wise. For the fans they'll be on a different cloud celebrating the fact that they've made it into the Champions League final against Man City in Istanbul. So yeah, credit to Milan. They've done a, a great job coming this far and Semeni is yet again proving he's the man for the Cups. What did you make of the attempts by Juve, Fiorentina, Roma all to make the Europa Conference and Europa League finals? Yeah, unfortunately for Juventus, I mean, they just, they just fell short. They just fell short. But... I mean, it's Sevilla, isn't it? It's the Europa League. We, we are we are very, very comfortable to talk about Real Madrid in the Champions League, but I don't think many people also give credit to Sevilla for what they achieve in the Europa League. And I just thought, after Vlaovic got Juve in the lead, the thinking would have been that Juventus could defend it because they've got good defenders there when they want to defend and make it difficult for the opponent. But Sevilla on the day, their fans were amazing. The atmosphere was brilliant. And Susu popped up with a brilliant goal. Then in extra time, as soon as Kiesa missed what maybe he expected him to have done better with, the attack on the other end results in a goal where Lamina heads into the back of them. So Juventus will be hard done by. It's, it's, it's in the last 35 years. It's only the second season that Juventus are going trophyless and they've gone trophyless back to back all under Allegri since he returned to the club hasn't been the return that Juventus were expecting but when you, when you put into context how this season has unfolded the board resigning being deducted 15 points and regaining those 15 points temporarily key players that is signed having worked according to plan yes I have a feeling that Juventus just this season have been in too many troubles and if they qualify for Champions League next season if they, they keep these 15 points that, that, that will be huge for them, you know. But again, a club like Juventus going a whole season without a trophy in two successive seasons, it's a big deal in Italy, it's a big deal in Turin. And I think Allegri will be under pressure. But yeah, that was against Sevilla in the Europa League. And of course, massive, massive credit to Fiorentina uh, in the Europa Conference League. They, 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 in the first leg, lost at home. They've gone to Basel in Switzerland to win by three goals to one. And this season, and, and, and they've, they've come into form 
at the right time of the season for Argentina because at the turn of the year, at the start of this year, 2023, they've played some brilliant football in Serie A and they've carried that into Europe when they've played. And here they are in the Conference League final. What can we say about the other one? Jose Mourinho, he's really the special one, isn't he? I mean, for Jose Mourinho to last season win the Conference League with you know Roma and qualify them to the Europa League and then get into the Europa League final. We know Roma now are struggling to get into the top four, but qualifying to the champion Europa League final means that they are 90 minutes away from qualifying to the Champions League, which is huge money and huge gains for Roma. So I think yeah, Jose Mourinho has done an incredible job. They come up against Sevilla, who love this competition, but we know Jose Mourinho in cup finals is almost unbeatable. That that is what spices this final up. So yeah. Roma, kudos to them, Fiorentina, kudos to them, Juventus, hard luck coming into this one. So they've got, in each of Europe's final games in the Champions League, Europa League and Conference League, there's an Italian rep. So all the best to these Italian reps going into those games. Sicho Paul Pogba returned to Juventus, but there has been very little talk or real impact on the pitch. Was it a good move in the first place? Yeah, the Pogba issue is a sad one, it really is. Um, you know, Juventus sold him to Manchester United. It didn't quite work out according to what many expected him to turn out to be at Man United. He returned to Juventus as a free player. And, and for Juve, the, Juve tried to rebuild something a couple of years, three years ago with Ben Taco, uh, Christian Romero, Di Marel, uh, Rugani. They brought in the likes of Kulisevsky, Chiesa, Mueskin came back after his loan spell. They wanted to build a new core with youngsters, but what they realized that it wasn't working, most of them just couldn't live up to the billing. So after they let most of them leave the club, or all of them leave the club at a certain level, they went back to the old, old ladies kind of thing where the likes of Anthony Di Maria comes through, Paradis come through, they bring in Brema, who's an assured defender from Torino. You know, they bring in these players knowing that they can count on them for this season, next season, while they try to, you know, look within the academy and get a better team for the future. But Pogba was supposed to be the player who they were going to build the team around this summer. It wasn't to be. You know, he's coming inside his own injury worries. And it's, it's a shame because... When Popoba had been fit, he was, he was being eased into the team gradually, playing a few minutes. I remember last week in the Europa League game, he came on in the game against Sevilla, provided assist, which got which Gatti got his head onto it. Then in the game against Cremonese, I'm thinking it makes sense. It makes sense that he start Popoba against Cremonese because it is it is a game where you're expecting Juve to dominate possession. The intensity is not going to be great. He can have a, a run out out there. Popoba starts and in the second minute, Popoba is injured. I think. It's been a disastrous comeback to Juventus. And, and also this, he doesn't have an easy relationship with the Juventus fans because many have said he's the highest paid player at the club. Meanwhile, he's not played football. Juventus are in financial crisis. The fans are saying that he should give up half of his salary. Some some quarters have said, but Papa should still love to the club. Give up half of his sal- salary because he's not played enough football. So there's plenty that has been discussed about Pogba's, you know, disastrous season at, at Juve. But on a human level, you've got to feel for Pogba. He wants to play the game. He wants to be on the pitch, but his body's just not allowing him to be there. And you can imagine what he's going through at the moment. And I think it's a difficult time for him. You can see the reaction from Di Maria when Di Maria actually grabbed him and, and escorted him down the tunnel when Pogba came off injured the last time out. It must be a difficult time for Paul. Speedy recovery to him and all the best to him. But we know that his season is done. So then how will the weekend's games impact the intriguing top four race in Serie A? Yeah, for, for, for the Serie A games that are to come this season, you know, we've, we've normally kept 
an eye on what is happening in the top four, what is beginning to t- take shape. But it's a crucial game coming up this weekend, George. And, and that game has got to be the one between Lecce and Spurs. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a bottom of the clash uh, game because these two sides are battling to stay away from relegation. Spurs only last week beat Milan. But I think, of course, Milan had divided attention thinking about the Champions League. But that gave them an opportunity to escape relegation. They have got 30 points in 18th place. And they come up against Lecce, who have got 32 points in 16th place. The thinking, however, here is, if Spencer can do the job over Lecce, they go above Lecce. And that takes them out of the drop zone, you know, going into the next game. Spezia might absolutely win. They must win this game if they want to stay up. Lecce as well need to win to put some daylight between themselves and that and that bottom three. Of course, Verona also in action. And Verona also looking necessarily or entirely good. They come up against Atalanta, who are fighting to get into Champions League play. So that is one of the games to keep an eye on. Surely, it's got to be that Spezia game. Spezia, who play against Lecce at Lecce. But of course, you cannot... You're also have to look at the biggest game on paper even though its significance it's not it's not as big now as it would have been a couple of weeks ago it's inter milan who play who traveled to naples to play against napoli napoli are already champions you wonder if they've got a motivation to play above themselves and win but inter however then also know that it is the top four is not all done yet even though um they've got the players to do the job they know that they still need couple of wins at least two more wins to confirm a place there so that would make that that fish start a bit more feisty and um the other game then you you might want to keep an eye on for entertainment would be torino and fiorentina i mean torino playing some very good football fiorentina as well have shown in 2023 that they can be a very exciting team to watch i mean these are the games you probably want to keep an eye on going into the game milan need to win against some to keep their champions league hopes alive escuchas ese rugido sientes la experiencia de poder la emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Roma, after a very difficult game against Liverpool, did they have enough in the tank to beat Salernitana at the Olimpico? I think the answer is yes. So yeah, some exciting games coming up in, in Italian Syria, George. Thank you very much, Sichua Stream. He joined us with some analysis on Syria. Now time for the Joy Sports BBC 2A series and I had a good chat with my colleague John Bennett on a number of issues on the UEFA Champions League in midweek and of course the English Premier League games to come this weekend. Enjoy this. Thanks, John, for your time on the show, as always. And there's no better place to begin than the action we witnessed in the UEFA Champions League in midweek. Manchester City blew away Real Madrid and it had much of the surprise of the bookmakers. Where does that performance rank in a list of iconic UCL games? Well, it's right up there, isn't it, George? Incredible performance. Um, the pundits, the experts saying that possibly that was the greatest team performance by a side managed by Pep Guardiola, which is massive praise when you consider the Barcelona team from 2009 that won the Champions League and the the 2011 version as well of Barcelona that also won the Champions League. So, yeah, that is massive praise. And I was was blown away by the performance. Real Madrid, as you say, were, were blown away as well particularly in the first half, the intensity, the way they took the game to, to Real Madrid. 
I thought the atmosphere at the Etihad Stadium was incredible as well. That that often gets criticised, but I think that those Manchester City fans, they've been through some tough times over the last few decades, and the, the last decade or so, well, since 2008, they've been through some fantastic times, but they still know how to create a, a fantastic noise, those fans. Yeah, scarily good performance. You can see why they've been able to catch Arsenal in the title race. You can see why they're now three games away from winning the treble. And they're massive favourites for the final. John, what have you made of the matchup in this season's Champions League final? Can you see any way that Inter could cause Manchester City problems considering City's incredible performance in the semi-final second leg? Well, Inter are huge underdogs. And I say that very respectfully. I've actually been a bit angry with the disrespect shown to Inter for getting to the final. Everyone, well, not everyone, but some pundits, experts were saying on Wednesday night that Real Madrid, Manchester City is actually the real final. This is the real final, which is rubbish. No, Inter are in the real final. They they had to work really hard to get there. People are saying they had an easier run to get to the final. Well, they had a group that had Bayern Munich and Barcelona. Uh, Then they had to play Porto. Fair enough, they were favourites for that game. Then they had to play Benfica, who have been in brilliant form in this season's Champions League. They beat them. Then they had to play a local derby against AC Milan. Yes, AC Milan haven't been great this season, but they are the current Serie A champions. No mean feat to beat them when the the pressure is on as well. You need need a different mentality to win a local derby like that at the highest level. So I think we should praise Inter. The one way I think that maybe there's a chance is that Simone Inzaghi is a cup manager. I think he's won four Super Cups in his career, two Coppa Italias. He's in the Coppa Italia final again this season with Inter. He's a cup manager. He knows how to get his teams going on the on the big stage and the, on the big occasion. But listen, everything points to a Manchester City victory. That's true. But we know there are strange results in football. Nine times out of ten, Manchester City win that game. But, but you, you just never know. Everybody expected Man City to, to, to beat Chelsea in the Champions League final a couple of seasons back, but Chelsea won the game. This time, though, it, it, everything does point to not only Man City winning the Champions League final, but also winning the treble. They're three games away from doing that, and they're massive favourites in all three games. Big favourites against Chelsea this weekend, big favourites against Manchester United in the FA Cup final, and huge favourites against Inter as well as well in the Champions League final. John Manchester City could wrap up the Premier League title this weekend, but the relegation battle looks as tough as though it will go down to the final day of the season. Who do you think will join Southampton in the Championship next season? And can you believe Leicester City are down there just seven years after winning the title? Yeah, I think Manchester City will wrap it up with a win over Chelsea this weekend. As to who I think will get relegated, yeah, Leicester are down. I think they're gone. They could even be relegated on Monday, officially, if Everton beat Wolves which I think is possible, although Wolves are a very good side. Julian Lopetegui's done a very good job there under the radar. Um, and then, so if Everton beat Wolves and then Leicester lose to Newcastle on Monday at St James's Park, then Leicester would be down. I can't see any way back for, for Leicester. If you'd asked me at the start of the season, do I think Leicester could be anywhere near relegation, I'd have said no with the quality in the squad. But over the last few months... I've seen a team that is lacking character, lacking personality. I'm sure they are trying their hardest. I'm, I'm sure they are, but it doesn't look like that on the pitch. doesn't look as though there's much fight. doesn't look like there's a lot of organisation. Uh, and it, it, it's the, the big players aren't stepping up as well. So 
this this has been coming for the last few weeks. That they're going down on a whimper, which is a disappointment. Leicester City fans have been through tough times down the years. They can accept a relegation, even if it's seven years after winning the league, even if it's two years after winning the FA Cup. But it's the manner of this relegation that is really upsetting the fans because certainly what we can see on the pitch, it doesn't look as though the players have any fight. I hate saying that because I know deep down the players will be trying their hardest, but it just doesn't look like that on the pitch at the moment. And that's very disappointing that Leicester are going down on a whimper. So I think, yeah, Southampton down, we know. Leicester are down. And I think that the other team to be relegated will be Leeds United. That, although they've got a massive game against West Ham this weekend. Win that and they might change my mind. I just think Everton and Nottingham Forest have momentum. Arsenal are being criticised for their collapse at the end of the title race. What do you make of their season? Should it be remembered positively despite a lack of trophies? There are negatives. I think you have to look, if you're an Arsenal fan or if you're working behind the scenes at Arsenal or if you're Mikel Arteta, at why two seasons in a row there's been a collapse. The collapse last season to not get into the top four, the collapse this season to fall away from the title race. So that's a negative. Game management, I think, at times as well, has to be looked at. The way they've allowed other teams to get back into games when they're in winning positions. But those are my only negatives. I think absolutely everything else is positive very few experts and pundits expected Arsenal to be in the top four this season let's let's get that right you know we have to look back to August I had a look at the BBC did an article with all the BBC pundits talking about their predictions for the top four none of those pundits over 20 of them had Arsenal in the top three and only a few of them had Arsenal in the top four so let's get this right nobody expected Arsenal to be anywhere near as high as they are this season. What is it? Possibly 87 points they could get. So when you put it like that, what a season they have had. Back in the Champions League for the first time since 2016. Challenging an incredible Manchester City team who are stronger than they've ever been before. I think Mikel Arteta's done a great job. I think this is the youngest team in the Premier League this season, youngest squad, and they've, they've done fantastically well. They've entertained us as well. There's been drama, perhaps too much drama at times from the Arsenal perspective. But yeah, this has been a positive season for Arsenal. And if he's backed in the European summer transfer window, it looks as though he will be, then Arsenal will be in a great position to challenge Manchester City again. I think Manchester City, we all know, are a juggernaut. They're very hard to catch. But they'll be in the be a better position than anyone else, Arsenal, to, to challenge them again next season. And John, the top four battle is on as well. Liverpool constantly pushing, but Newcastle and Manchester United are keen on preserving their spots. How will the weekend's games impact the table? I think Liverpool have just left it too late. It's a tough game for them, actually, this Saturday against Aston Villa. I could see Aston Villa getting something from that game, even though it's away from home. Liverpool will be favourites, don't get me wrong, but I was at uh, the Villa Park last Saturday for the game against Tottenham. Villa are really impressive at the moment. So that's a tough game for Liverpool. But yeah, I think the top four is going to stay as it is. Newcastle, they have a, a fairly comfortable game, relatively speaking, against Leicester on Monday. I know Leicester are fighting for their lives, but it doesn't look like that at the moment on the pitch. So I think Newcastle will have more than enough to win that one. Manchester United is an interesting one. They're away to Bournemouth. Their away form hasn't been great. You'd make them favourites against Bournemouth. But Bournemouth have had such a good end to the season. I think they'll cause Manchester United problems. The good thing for United is that they've then got two home games 
after that. So you'd expect Manchester United to, to pick up the points they need before the end of the season. They've got Chelsea at home uh, on the Thursday before the end of the season. And then uh, on the final day of the season, uh, they're also at home to Fulham, Manchester United. So I think Manchester United, even if they were to slip up this weekend, they'll have enough to get into the top four for me. Yes, John, let's talk about the relegation battle at the moment. Looks really, really tight. Southampton are already down. Which two teams do you think will join Southampton uh, being relegated and into the championship? You're just trying to get me to say it again, aren't you, George? That Leicester, the team I supported as a boy, are going to go down. Yeah, yeah, Southampton are gone. Leicester are gone. Not, not officially, but close. Uh, in my eyes, they're relegated anyway. And then... Um, I hope I speak to you next week, and I've been proved completely wrong, by the way. And then, yeah, I do think Leeds. Leeds will be the team that, that joins them. I just think Nottingham Forest and Everton, they, they, they've just got the momentum. Forest have got a tough game this weekend, haven't they, against Arsenal, who will be reeling after that defeat to Brighton. But still, I, I just have a feeling that they've got enough and Everton have got enough. And despite the improvement of Leeds under Sam Allardyce, I, I, I think... Everton and Nottingham Forest will, will just have enough. Thanks, John. That was John Bennett with the Joy Sports BBC two-way series. It's now time to get a guide to Ghanaian performances in football across the weekend. Razak Musbal has a wrap. Yeah, George. Well, let's start with Black Stars goalkeeper. Laurie's at his game because he has been a judge, the best goalkeeper of the season in the Swiss Super League. The 26-year-old Singala number one was uh, voted as the best in his position by the Swiss Association of Football Players. That's the Switzerland branch of FIFPRO. Now, Atisagi, he's been a key figure for St. Gallen this season, playing in 30 league games and uh, keeping four clean sheets in the process. But what's quite instructive is that uh, he's made five appearances in the Swiss League Team of the Week, what is outstanding performances week in, week out. And even for uh, the first half of the season, he was voted the best goalkeeper in the Swiss Super League. We wait to see if these performances and laurels will even earn him a move away from the Swiss League to maybe some of the more competitive leagues in Europe. But impressive performances for the Black Stars number one goalkeeper and big congratulations to him. Well, in England, it's all over for Ghana's duo Kamaldin Suleiman Mohamed Salisu in the Premier League following Southampton's official relegation to the championship. For Salisu, he is highly tipped to move from the club at the end of the season. But for Kamal Dean, and, uh, you know, having been signed on record fee, it is quite certain he'll be with the team in the championship and uh, help them to return to the top flight as soon as possible. They'll play their last but one game on Sunday against Brighton, Hove and Albion. Well, elsewhere, Nottingham Forest is not yet over. It's not yet over for Andre Didier-U because they will continue to fight to avoid a drop. They will be facing Thomas Partey's Arsenal and uh, we'll wait to see if they can get some crucial point and help them avoid the drop. Thomas Partey has been on the bench for Arsenal in recent games, not been getting minute, but not sure what's going to happen in the game against Nottingham Forest. We'll wait to see if he just might get a start, but it's not going well for Thomas Partey. With even rumours linking him with a move away from Arsenal. We'll just wait to see what happens there. Jordan and you, Crystal Palace, will play Fulham. Antoine Semenyon will play Manchester United with Bournemouth and uh, just wait to see if they'll be able to frustrate Manchester United top four hopes there. But in the Netherlands, Mohamed Kudus has returned from injury and he played his second game since his return. And uh, against Groningen, he registered an assist 
and uh, he'll be back on the field on Sunday against Utrecht there. George, well, Inaka William will be in action for Atletico Bilbao, likewise Joseph Edu for Celta Vigo in the Spanish League. In France, Gideon Mensa is in action uh, for Auxerre, and uh, Lady Sadie is also in action for Auxerre, uh, for Clermont Foot. But, George, the season is rounding up across Europe, and uh, summer transfers will be upon us again very soon, George. And uh, already there are rumors linking some Guinean players to clubs. You know, Thomas Partey, Mohamed Salisu, there are rumors linking them to some clubs. Even Daniel Amate, Leicester City's Daniel Amate has been linked to AC Milan and all of that. We'll keep tabs on all of that and, uh, you know, uh, follow all of that very closely and um, bring you up to speed of what happened. So we're just waiting for the season to end. Two, three games for the seasons to end. And we'll see where the Guinean players will end up being. Mohamed Kudus to Manchester United. Joseph Pinto to Newcastle United. Well, these are all rumours. And we wait to see what happens, George. Thank you, Razak Mazwal, for that. Michelle Quino has a lowdown of the key spot in action. You should keep an eye on this weekend. There are four title fights look out for this weekend. Yes, four. And definitely the biggest of them all is Vasily Lomachenko's 12-round challenge for the undisputed lightweight championship. The name Vasily Lomachenko rings a bell, no? Yes, the Mexican was the same one who defeated Richard Cormier in 2021. But now, he takes on younger opposition, Devin Haney, the undisputed lightweight champion. The bouts build as checkmate. is expected to be like a high-speed chess match as both boxes, as fiery as they are, are also witty. This bout could have come three years ago when Lomachenko was the unified lightweight champion and Hani wanted a shot. But the Mexican's camp was unconvinced with giving the young, unproven American a chance. And then that same year, Hani made the promise of never ever going to lose to a white boy. In October 2022, Hani beat George Cambosos Jr. for a second time to retain his undisputed lightweight championship and become the youngest ever undisputed champion in the modern era of boxing. But with that promise of never ever losing to a white man, tomorrow is the day, so let's see how it goes in Las Vegas. The three other title bouts slated for the weekend are Katie Taylor's challenge for Chantel Cameron's undisputed junior waterweight championship. Meanwhile, George Taylor, nope, not his brother, will defend his junior waterweight title when he faces Sofimo Lopez. Yes, yes, Lopez is another familiar name. He knocked out Richard Comey to win the IBF title in 2019. And now he bags up a challenge for Taylor's belt in a 12-round piece. And the final title fight for this weekend is Stephen Fulton's WBC and WBO junior featherweight title defense against Nayoa in 